podcast, we are talking with Dr. Lori Dean, principal at John Adams Elementary School in Riverside, California. Lori discusses her journey with core knowledge in Riverside and provides some great suggestions and advice for strong core knowledge implementation. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Building Knowledge Podcast. Today, I have Dr. Laurie Dean. She is the principal at Adams Elementary School in Riverside, California. Hi, Laurie. Thanks for being with us today. My pleasure. So besides being the principal now at Adams, Laurie was previously the principal at Bryant Elementary, which is also an elementary school in Riverside, California that utilizes the core knowledge curriculum. So, Laurie, can you tell us a little bit about how Core Knowledge was brought to Riverside County? Sure. Um, so, back in uh, 2010, um, our school district, which is the 15th largest school district in California, applied to be a district of choice. And what that meant was students from adjacent school districts could apply to come to our school without being released from their home district. Um, So in order to to attract people, our superintendent at the time decided that we needed to have some specialty programs in Riverside that would draw people to us. So uh, they were looking at various programs, including STEM um, and uh, core knowledge was mentioned. And uh, at the time I was a principal at another elementary school in Riverside, but what I heard about core knowledge really intrigued me. So I started doing some research about core knowledge. Um, uh, A couple of our school board members had heard about it and had visited a couple of schools and I thought it would be a nice balance. Um, So I volunteered, I said, I wanna be the principal of that school. That sounds like something that's right up my alley. So uh, I was placed at Bryan Elementary School, which is in downtown Riverside. Uh, They selected Bryant to put Core Knowledge at because uh, it was a a failing school. And this was the time of the No Child Left Behind and the sanctions to schools that weren't meeting their um, API scores. And so Bryant was considered a failing school. And most of the people in the neighborhood had chosen to go to uh, be bused to other non-Title I schools or go to private schools or charter schools because this little this is a little school that just couldn't. Um, it's a tiny, tiny school. It's on 2.2 acres right in the heart of our downtown. And at the time, there were only about 280 kids in attendance. Um, and so they thought, well, let's bring this program to Bryant and see if it can bring life back into the school. And so um, I began my journey on uh, learning about core knowledge and trying to build this, this school up. Um, one of the first things I did after doing my research and talking to people is I actually went and uh, visited during my spring break um, several schools in Arizona, which is a neighboring state to us, and uh, caught the bug because I got to see it in 
in person. I, I got to hear the enthusiasm in the teachers' voices and um, talk to the students and see the products that they made. And it was very obvious in each of the six schools that we visited across several different districts, the feeling was the same at every single school. And so I was ready to uh, to, to bring that to Riverside and to breathe some um, life into, into this little school at Bryant. Um, I met during that visit with a principal who I think was one of the first in Arizona in the um, Paradise Valley School District uh, to start core knowledge in that district. And he actually was retiring that year. So I was really fortunate and blessed to be able to meet with him. But he talked about his journey. And one of the things that he mentioned was that he started having parent meetings and talking with the parents as they were building this new school, Greyhawk, um, of what would be the school of your dreams? And then make action plans to help that that school become Greyhawk. And I thought, wow, that's, that's a great, such a great idea. So I brought it to, to Riverside and I started holding uh, meetings because in addition to breathing life into the school and bringing um, this new curriculum, I also needed to get students to come back to their neighborhood school. And so I took out an advertisement in the newspaper, it cost $750 for a, a little tiny ad. And that was the first of our meetings in the community of, hey, we're going to start this new program called Core Knowledge at this school. Come meet and let's talk about it. And from that, um, I started holding monthly meetings. We canvassed the neighborhood and dropped off flyers and, um, you know, got on some social media that which was, you know, in its infancy then. And I started holding monthly dream team meetings of teachers and community members and parents and neighborhood uh, to come and let's talk about that school of our dreams. And we developed charts of what the, the dream school would look like. And then we actually started um, making plans to have that uh, become a reality. And at that time, because I was trying to recruit teachers too, um, we were making some lofty promises, but I had seen it in action when I had visited these other schools and I knew, I knew that we could make, make that feeling be at Bryant. And so uh, we ended up um, starting in, in the fall of, of 2011 and we um, opened our doors to 464 students. So we went from 280 to 464 students. Later, I had some of these parents that would come to these meetings say, you know, I went to your meetings and you were talking about pie in the sky dreams. And I did not think that it was possible, particularly possible this quickly. And then they couldn't get their kids in because we were full, either from the neighborhood kids coming back or from the district of choice, people coming um, from other districts and other schools to this school because they um, also caught the vision. And so Bryant, um, we were maxed out. Matter of fact, they even had to bring a portable on because we had so much enrollment. Um, and I recruited all new teachers. I think I only had five teachers of the 10 that were there um, originally that stayed because um, they also 
thought, wow, this sounds like a lot of work and didn't really um, get the vision. Um, so uh, once I got all my, my teacher teams hired, I decided the week before school started um, to make a trip to Arizona with any staff members that were interested in coming. So I borrowed uh, a district van, 15 passenger van. And I said, you know, cause we have no budget. Um, I said to the teachers, hey, anybody who wants to come, join me on the ride and um, I'll pay for the gas, but you guys have to pay for your own hotel and food. And we filled the bus and the teachers went and they saw it in person, even though um, Arizona had only been in, in, in school two or three weeks, they felt they felt the, the schools and the difference, the excitement, and they came back on fire, ready to ready to go. Um, one of the things that we had talked about, because core knowledge does grow upon itself um, year after year, and that might be hard for our we're we're. Um, TK6 district, it, that it might be hard for the upper grade because they wouldn't have had the previous years um, uh, to build upon. We had decided to phase in the program. And at the time we had the sequence and we had the teacher handbook. We did not have CKLA or CKHG or CK science. None of those tools had been um, published yet. Uh, we did have a, a Pearson world history and geography book, um, fortunately. Um, but we had decided that we were gonna phase in. We were gonna start with grades four, five, six, our first year, uh, no, K-1-2, our first year, the other way around, K-1-2, our first year, and then the next year add a couple grades and then a couple grades and within four years, the whole school would be core knowledge so that we could build that knowledge. Well, after receiving <coughs> some orientation from the foundation for a couple of days and this whirlwind of a trip to Arizona, the teacher said, Laurie, we don't want to wait to implement. Can we start? Even though I'm sixth grade, I, like, I want to start right now. Can I start? And I'm like, absolutely. If you want to start, do as much as you think you can. So if you want to pick a strand or if you want to pick a, <coughs> a unit, do that and our teachers were like we we want they jumped in all feet in we're going and um it was a difficult year um because there were no materials and we didn't have a support network here within our district or locally and so it was just uh, uh the little school that could bryant we did it on our own and got a lot of started getting a lot of recognition after our first year our api score went up 41 points um the second year that we had done it i i uh, can't find the data on me but it was something like a 27 more points now the majority of our students were neighborhood kids we only had a handful that actually um, came in from other districts <laughs> and so I absolutely attribute it to two things. One, the curriculum, and two, the enthusiasm of the teachers and the students to come to school every day and learn. 
And I had parents that even said, I like, I had to pinch my kid. He was sick. And, and in the past, he would have wanted to stay home. But he's like, no, mom, I can't miss school today. <laughs> they were excited. I remember one year, one day before school, I was out on the blacktop with the kids um, and they were playing. And I had a little second grader who came up to me and she said, I am so excited for today. And I asked her why, expecting her to say, it's my birthday or some big event. She said, well, because today we're going to learn about the War of 1812. And I said, ooh, I wonder what that's about. And she's like, I don't know, but we're going to find out today. And so if we can have a seven-year-old who's excited to come to school to learn about the War of 1812, that's half our battle to get the kids enthused to learn and the student and the teachers fired up to teach and putting their whole heart into it. The teacher said, we will never go back to a traditional school again after teaching core knowledge because it's brought the fun and excitement back in to teaching. And so starting with Bryant, that's what brought it to Riverside County. Since then, um, our district has uh, onboarded two additional schools. So, and I'm at one of those schools, a different one right now. So now we actually have a little support network within our district that we can support one another and also grow the program since it just outgrew Bryant. So how many elementary schools are in the entire Riverside Unified School District? Um, 29. So there's 29 elementary schools in Riverside Unified School District, and only three are core knowledge. So how how do you all, as this little team of core knowledge schools, uh, handle those obstacles that I'm sure you have because you're not the district adopted curriculum? Well, it's all about leaders, right? We have to fight for our program because we are such a minority. Um, Sometimes we get overlooked or forgotten about, like when the district is uh, making a big uh, adoption or whatever, and they send it to us and we're like, wait a second, no, no, no. Um, So we really have to advocate for ourselves just to remind them that we're here. Um, We also have other specialty, you know, uh, schools in the district. Uh, We have six schools of a DLI. We've got a STEM program. We've got a virtual program, you know. So it's, but they all use the regular district adopted materials. One of the things that we're fortunate to be able to do is for um, K-5, the district actually did adopt CKLA. So, uh, which, which, uh, you know, it took a couple of years, number one, for it to be published and then for it to be approved by the state of California and then for us to adopt it. So up to that time, it was a lot of work for the teachers because they were still trying to um, adhere to the the state mandates of of, uh, curriculum and weave in core knowledge. Now, I know (laughs) <laughs> that Dr. Hirsch says in, in many of his books that, oh, it's meant to comprise 50% of the school day to free up time to teach local and state 
not if you do it well. It takes the whole day. And so we were really fortunate um, to be able to have that adopted, uh, CKLA adopted for K-5. And now that we have a CKHG and CK science that just complements what they're doing in CKLA, um, uh, it, you know, it's it, it's even better. I mean, there are certain things like we still have to teach state history. We still, you know, the um, CK CK science is aligning to um, gen uh, next gen um, standards, and so you know, it, it it's flowing along nicely. But um, um, but yeah, it as far as just reminding the district that we're here, and so when they offer PD. Don't have it be curriculum specific, but have it be based on skills and um, and uh, uh, teaching strategies and techniques. Um, otherwise, our teachers automatically, because, you know, they think they're, of course, you know, the teachers think that we're the best. Um, they'll automatically tune out if they hear the other publisher be mentioned. But um, now that there's three schools um, we try to plan pre-COVID um, networking and collaboration opportunities between the schools. Um, we've developed a team fab is what we like to call ourselves, team fab, um, which stands for each of the schools, Franklin, Adams, and Bryant, for our teachers to really feel like we are a core knowledge team and that we can support one another and share lesson ideas and you know, work smarter, not harder. So there has been value um, and growth since our, our initial 17 little teachers at, at Bryant. Well, speaking of teachers, um, can you talk to us a little bit about how you have supported your teachers and core knowledge implementation? Because I think sometimes this is something very, difficult for leaders to conceptualize, like what does that actually look like? And because I've had the pleasure of knowing you now for like five years, you are one of the best leaders that I've seen in the way that you support your teachers. Well, thank you. Um, number one, the principal or the leader needs to know the program. I can't tell you how important that is um, because I've had some colleagues who who haven't fully in, embraced it or fully understand it, and they had difficulty getting the program up and running in their school. So read the books, understand the pedagogy, understand the sequence, um, be familiar with all of the materials and the topics and 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 whatnot. Another thing that we did, at, uh, and I, I'm sorry about always mentioning Bryant, but uh, I've been at this school, this is my third year at Adams, and um, they've all been affected by COVID. So I'm, I'm still building that team here, um, building the program. So I'm sorry for only talking about Bryant because I'm doing that here um, at, at, at Adams too. But <clears throat> at Bryant, when we were applying to be a Cornell School of Distinction, and there's various um, activities or, or documents that you need to um, show as evidence. Um, the teachers and I worked uh, using McTeague's 
understanding by design, modified to, to Lari <laughs> um, version of it, where we took each unit um, and we looked at what is the, the big idea? What are the essential understandings? What are the key ideas that we must make sure that the kids understand because they're necessary for future grades to build on? What areas are ones that we're just introducing and go surface? Because with core knowledge, it's so easy to go down the rabbit holes or to go off on tangents because it is so interesting. But one of the things that we found out is we really need to adhere to the pacing for us to be able to cover all of the domains by the end of the year. Um, some of the teachers are like, well, I just didn't get to the last two units. Well, no, that's not okay. It may not make a difference to you, but it makes a, a difference to your colleagues when the students come to them and they don't have this background knowledge that you were supposed to provide. And so in order for us to adhere to the, the pacing guides, we, we identified each of those key points so that we knew um, how to plan out our lessons um, and and to avoid any of those rabbit holes and to be able to be okay with telling the kids that is a great question. We're going to add it right here to our KWL chart and you can research it and give it back to us. But then also when you're in fifth grade, you're going to learn a whole bunch about this um, and having teachers be okay with saying that. Um, we also to, to um, make sure that we had very targeted teaching. Um, we you know, looked at the what assessment we were gonna be using so that we made sure that we were using those instructional strategies and teaching the skills necessary within our, our day. Um, using the, what, what am I supposed to know today? How will I know if I learned it? And what will I do if I, if I didn't learn it? Um, we developed essential questions with, for every lesson so that the kids knew and it was routine by the end of this lesson I need to pay attention because I need to answer this question um, uh, being in Southern California and in uh, the area that we're in um, both of the schools have been title one 80% um, or more um, and so vocabulary English learners uh, were at both schools uh, about 30% English learners uh, we had to identify also the vocabulary. Vocabulary and core knowledge is so robust. It can almost be overwhelming, especially for our, um, our English learners. And so we really had to focus. These are the questions. These are the words that we're really going to go in depth and teach. These are those that it's surface that we're going to, you know, be able to answer within context. Um, visiting schools. Um, so that the teachers could see the vision. Absolutely, that that I would highly recommend it for any school um, who is thinking of this and talking to the teachers because you can hear the excitement in their voices. Um, and then committing money in your budget. Money talks. <laughs> and so committing the money, money to pay the teachers for additional planning, buying materials, in our case, um, um, the district has adopted CKLA, so they pay for that. But as the CKHG and the CK Science, that is something that I've committed money um, to have those materials. And then also any realia that the teachers need to, to make their units robust if they want to you know, have their rock collection as they're learning 
um, about the history of the earth or if they had, you know, you name it, a volcano to demonstrate versus a geyser in, in first grade, skeletons and, and, and whatnot, committing the money so that those excuses are taken away. Well, if I had just had, then I could. Money talks and teachers will feel supported because you value what they do. Give them time for planning, understand what they're supposed to know, um, help them plan, plan alongside them. Um, give them the materials that they need and the program and enthusiasm will go forward, will, will, will propel your school forward. It's so simple, but so complex on how, on how to support teachers. Um, I think when you first talked about just, you know, about learning the program is just, such a simple thing for leaders to do, but they don't always do that. And that's the first step in those, all those additional steps that you, that you talked about. So I think for new leaders, that's what I always suggest too. You have to become the expert as well as your teachers. Yeah. And one of the things that I did when, when we were preparing the year prior to, you know, applying when we were really preparing for um, our visit for a distinguished uh, school of distinction is I wanted, because you have to be credible as a leader, I wanted the teachers to know that I understood fully what it was that I was asking them to do in building these units based, you know, on the uh, understanding by design um, plan. And so I wrote <laughs> um, a unit or uh, what I was asking them to do is put together this, this unit, one per grade level so that they could never say, well, she doesn't understand what it is that she's asking us to do. Complete with, um, you know, essential questions and vocabulary cards and, and whatever. And, and, and it took a lot of time, but it, I would still highly recommend it. Number one, the teachers knew that I knew what I was asking them to do. And I also set the bar. This is what I expect for you to do. Here's the bar. Here's a four. This is what this is what it needs to look like to, to then go forward. And then I am here to support you. I've been through it. Uh, let me show you how I pulled out these questions. Let me show you how. And, and it's a working document. <clears throat> so every year we pull out those domain uh, plans for each domain and um, we change it. You know what? That question really didn't hit the nail on the head or really for this lesson to really focus in on comparing and contrasting or, you know, whatever was a better emphasis than the journal entry or, or, or whatnot, but working alongside the teachers, 100% worth all the weekends that I worked because it paid off. I, I knew my stuff. The teachers knew I knew it and I was there to help and be their, their lead, their instructional leader, not just their manager. Amazing. So great. Yeah, I think if anybody ever gets out your way, they need they need to go um, go and visit Riverside County and visit the schools that are there that are utilizing core knowledge. So my final question for you is what advice do you have for leaders out there of traditional public schools 
that are looking at implementing core knowledge on their own that's going to be outside of what their district is using? Number one, do it. Do it. And it needs to be a grassroots movement. It needs to come from within, not pushed down of, hey, we want you to do this. And let me tell you the reason why I say this. In Bryant, it pretty much was grassroots. We grew it. Hey, we want, we're bringing this to this school to, to, to revive it. Um, well, there was another school in our district who a couple of years later found themselves in the same situation that Bryant was in originally of a declining enrollment, um, dropping test scores. Um, and so they said, Hey, look at core knowledge, fix Bryant. Let's fix this school by bringing core knowledge to it. And, and, and they had a really difficult time because it wasn't a grass movement, grassroots movement. It needs to come from a desire of change, whatever that change is to infuse excitement into the teachers to, um, uh, you know, whatever that change is needed and have this be um, something that can help drive it, but it not push down of you have to do this now. And your teachers absolutely need to be on board because there's a lot of planning that goes into it to do it well, especially when you're integrating the language arts with the history, with the science that takes a lot of planning. It's not as simple as opening your book and turning the page. Um, so fuel the excitement from within, get all your stakeholders on board, your teachers, your paraprofessionals, um, your um, <clears throat> district trustee, your community, have it be a whole community um, um, movement. Do, do I have time to tell about one, one idea for community involvement? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So one of the things uh, as we're trying to build this school in downtown Riverside and to extend the school day, remember, uh, we had, I think it was about 85 percent were Title One um, at the school. But to 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 really bring in the community to help these these kids that were lacking in experiences oftentimes is um, I, I started an after school program on my own. In addition to what the, the district was was doing that was um, in part federally funded, but it was more of an enrichment um, extension of the day. So our tagline at Bryant was engage, enrich, inspire, or we called it E3. So we had an E3 program after school. And what I had done is I took the school year and divided it into six week sessions, because if we're going to bring somebody from the community to come in they can typically commit to a six-week session versus saying the entire year or an entire semester. And so I, I found people in the community um, who wanted to be invested and contribute to our school. And it's always great to have those business partners, especially when you're looking for money to buy things like realia and additional materials. Um, and so we had people from the community that came in and taught E3 classes um, once a week for six week sessions after school. But in so doing, we formed these community partnerships with the with the city public works. They came and they would talk about environmental awareness and water conservation. Um, we tapped into one of the nearby universities and we had some doctoral students 
and um, entomology come and talk to the kids about bugs. Um, and uh, we had uh, some local architects that came in and, and did architecture, a whole series of classes with the kids where they'd walk in the neighborhood and they'd look for certain elements of architecture. And, and um, uh, we had some other business owners that came in and they talked about leadership. We had uh, just basically anybody who had a hobby or an interest and they wanted to share it with kids, we provided the kids. And it really um, built a strong community around the school. The school really became a hub for the community where uh, neighbors and local businesses were invested in the school and wanted to see that it succeeded. It, it really was a magical place that, that we started there. But um, tap into that. Matter of fact, um, we won a, a county award back in 2016 for this E3 program um, and the community involvement that it brought, but it also extended the core knowledge content oftentimes beyond. So when we teachers had to say, you know what, that's really great, but we don't have time to go into that information. It gave them another um, uh, venue to pursue some of these other interests. So um, definitely tap into your community. I remember coming to Bryant once and um, one of your teachers did just that. They extended because they didn't have enough time to read um, King Arthur. And so that's what they made as one of their after school for six mm -hmm. weeks. And kids came and they read King Arthur and did a really cool act, fun activities around the book that they didn't necessarily have time to cover. So it was a way to add, just as you said, spread that and extend the core knowledge content. It was yeah, great. With like civil war simulations, after school, um, Chinese, for when they were in fourth grades talking about uh, the, their unit um, about ancient China, um, we had a teacher who also did a class around the time of Chinese New Year, where they would talk about some of the cultural experiences and they actually built their own dragons out of tissue paper and crepe paper and boxes and paint and glitter. And then we had our own little um, Chinese New Year um, dragon parade during the school day where they were able to talk and teach the others about it. But I mean, the possibilities are endless. And once the community started hearing about, hey, go contact that school, we had visitors and volunteers coming out of all of all of the cracks. And, and so, you know, don't be afraid to tap into to the community. Um, they will feel the, the magic at the school. They will feel the enthusiasm of the students and the teachers and everybody wants to have a great community school, right? So my advice for classical schools looking to implement it, do it just do it. And it's going to be hard. I had teachers who literally said they cried every day until Christmas because they, they thought, what did I get myself into coming to a school that was as low academically as we were and in a rough neighborhood with such a high poverty and um, English uh, uh, lack of English language. Um, but I you know, the end of the year when when they had seen the fruits of their labor, they we're so glad that they did it. So don't give up. You, you got to you got to see it through. It may take a year or two 
or maybe even three, but I guarantee you, if it's done right, you'll see growth. You'll feel a different, totally different um, spirit on your, on your campus and your teachers will be committed for life to do their very best every day. Yeah, absolutely. And it takes a great leader like you, Laurie, you, the Riverside schools have a very special place in my heart and in the Cornellish Foundation heart. You all, every time we ask for volunteers for something, we know we can count on you. All of your teachers raise their hands and willingly give above and beyond what we could have ever hoped for. So thank you so much again for joining me and telling everyone a little bit more about your experience at Riverside. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And, you know, it, I am always happy if anybody wants to reach out and ask questions or come visit, um, they can feel free to do that. Um, can I leave my email? Yes, absolutely. Oh, okay. It's L-A-D-E-A-N-L-A-Dean at RiversideUnified.org. So just shoot me an email and I'd be happy to talk with you or give you a tour or give you some tips and tricks. Or even if you want to run something by somebody who's who's in the in the trenches and has been doing it at a couple schools, I'd be happy to help because sharing is caring. <laughs> That's right. No, thank you so much for offering that. And I would highly recommend that if you're ever out that way to do that, make a special trip. <laughs> it's a beautiful part of the country. Um go out and, and visit those schools. They are, they're amazing. Thanks. All right. Thank you.